Hey everyone, are you ready to revamp your summer wardrobe so you're ready for all the sunny days ahead? Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect summer wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. Women always want to feel fresh and confident in the latest trends, but it's not sustainable nor healthy to shop all the time. The clutter that collects in my closet closet and the waste I create with nonstop shopping are no bueno. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothing for every occasion and then send it back. Whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a dress for a black tie event, you will have everything you need to look and feel great without the weight of an overcrowded closet and all that wasted money and materials that come with it. Trust me, Marie Kondo and the environment will thank you. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash heel. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash heel to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to The Heal Podcast. I'm Kelly Noonan-Gores, and every week I speak to the leading doctors, healers, spiritual teachers, and scientists to find out what is truly possible when it comes to healing. I also interview real people with extraordinary healing stories. My philosophy is what's possible for one is possible for all. Okay, well, I am so excited to be here today because this is probably one of my most, I don't know, highly anticipated, inspiring conversations that mm-hmm. I've just been, I can't wait to have. Um, and I'm sitting here with one of my, one of my dearest friends, Tara Patrick, who has been my massage therapist for many years mm-hmm. um, and just a good friend beyond that. Um, and we are going to talk about her incredible healing journey that she is in the middle of. Yes. Uh, but just thriving and awakening and glowing and levitating and all of it. Um, it's a remarkable journey. A seemingly, you know, pillar of health, young, vibrant woman who on June 1st got the diagnosis of stomach cancer. And then, you know, later they found out the stage. Yes. Um, and here we are six months later, and you are thriving. Yeah. So I can't wait to dive into your journey. I feel like you have so much to share. You're, it's so inspiring. Um, so why don't you just start by kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and your, your background? Um, like you said, I'm a massage therapist. I've been doing that for around 20 years. And um, She's very good, by the way. Like, <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that forever. And, you know, I dabble in like studying survival skills and herbalism, um, things like that. I just, 
you know, always trying to learn new modalities to just keep being able to be able to show up even more so for others. And so I feel like I have, um, and I love what I do. I love, I love being one-on-one with people and that kind of connection and stuff. So, um, it brings me a lot of pleasure to do what I do. And, um, so, but at the same time, you know, I've also kind of was a yes person, you know, like I would say yes to each person. So like many years ago, I would sometimes start at 8 a.m. and not finish until like midnight sometimes. Wow. So as time went on, you know, I kind of learned that that's not the best approach <laughs> for health or anything, you know. But anyway, I... um feel that, you know, I've always been really good at like taking care of myself, you know, for the most part. But I think because I was such a yes person and because I was spending so much time like working on others that I didn't really take the time to really truly take care of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I didn't eat bad. I didn't eat fast food and things like that. But a lot of times I just wouldn't eat. Mm. You know, like I would have just enough time to get between each massage. Right. And maybe uh, there's times where I would be like, oh, I'm just going to get this like vegan, gluten-free, organic cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And a coffee. Yeah. You know, and so um, I would do things like that or I would just eat everything kind of all at once. Mm -hmm. And just none none of that was like good, you know, or healing, even though, you know, like I didn't take the time to like sit down and make my own food and prepare it you right. know um i would eat out but it wasn't fast food but i still would you yeah know, and you're always on the run and you were constantly giving i mean when you're mm-hmm. doing hands-on healing work mm-hmm. not only are you incredibly strong physically i mean you're a thin woman but your hands are like you go deep i mean you work on some of the craziest athletes in the world um you know very high profile people and you go deep. And mm-hmm. so just that alone takes energy. So to yeah. be saying yes to so many clients and not giving yourself the proper rest and also that constant, you know, soaking up of their energy when you're in contact with them. Right. Um, you know, you did it with the best of intentions. Oh, Your yeah, heart absolutely. is pure. You want to help everybody. You yeah. don't want to deny anybody that relief that you bring them or that healing or that um, pleasure. But, right. um, you know, it caught up to you. Yeah, it caught up to me. Like, and I loved it. I love doing that. But like, Usually, sometimes I spend my winters in Kauai. And so when I'm there, like, I'm working, but I'm getting in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm making, like, for some reason, I ha- the day is so long there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have time to go and hang out with friends and do all those things. But for whatever reason, when I'm here in L.A. working, I don't know. Like, maybe by the time I get everywhere and drive everywhere, maybe I'm just a little extra exhausted. I'm not going and jumping in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, when friends would invite me to do things, I would be like, yeah, I want to do that. But the time I got home, I was too tired. Right. You know, I was like crashing and going to sleep exhausted, not feeling like, well, you know, I'm tired. It's time to go to sleep. Yeah. It was, I was exhausted. Right. I was exhausted. And even though I kept learning to keep backing off and like taking time off and doing things, it's just I realized that. Now I realize that most of my life has been kind of running with this like little undercurrent of like fear and anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know? So again, I had good intentions, but I feel that because of that, maybe feeling that I needed to like prove myself, you know, like I kind of feel like I've been technically living like more of the world. Mm -hmm. So I've been allowing that to like 
me getting validation from the world and yeah. from others. So it's I very needed, common. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just fell into that trap. Yeah. And, and you know, and I was, I'm a happy person. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I love my life. I was traveling and doing things. It wasn't any of that. It was just those little things that I was so used to, like a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety. I just thought that was normal. Yeah. And so, um, but now. Well, that's why yeah. I think it was such a shock to everybody that knows you because you are so buoyant and vibrant and happy. Yeah, I mean, you. we laugh <laughs> yeah. for throughout like the two hour <laughs> massage or hour and a half that you're there. Yeah. I mean, we're laughing for at least half of it. Yeah. Um, so I know you, I knew you worked hard, but I didn't know to the, you know, well, we just, we're, we're very similar in that way. We, we want to help as many people as yeah. we can. We want to show up for the people that we care about. We say, you know, we have a knee-jerk reaction to say yes. Yeah. We don't, we haven't really, we're given the tools as a child to have healthy boundaries, and these yeah. are things we're learning. So you are in a intense, mm-hmm. the most intense learning process. Um, so why don't you tell us, because we're going to get into so much about what you've learned along mm-hmm. the way, which I think is going to be life-changing for people, but why don't you give us the backstory of like when your symptoms started okay. yep. and how that led to June 1st and then we can go right what's happened since then okay so yeah so about a year and a half ago I started noticing things that I've never noticed before like for instance all of a sudden I would eat something and it made me get a little acid reflux to the point where I didn't even know that was acid reflux because I've never had anything like that before and I was just like well that's weird that I'm always needing a little acid reflux. And then it would just kind of start building. And actually, I remember there was, it was really weird this one week. I kind of felt like it was like the, like the car lights, you know, they all flashing at once, like your car's overdue, you need mm-hmm. to take it into the shop. I had this really strange one week where I've never had panic attacks in my entire life. And I had a week of panic attacks. Like I couldn't leave my house. I had to cancel every massage. Like I couldn't leave my house. Wow. I was having panic attacks. And um, and I was I wrote it off as like, okay, wow, that was some like emotional thing I needed to work through. And, and maybe it was, but it was, now I realize really what it was, you know? And, um, and so it was after that, all of a sudden, like all the symptoms were starting to come. Like I was like getting acid reflux. I was getting um, to the point to where uh, like I wouldn't even be able to like lie flat anymore. Like I had to start putting like more pillows up and like lie down like that. Mm. And then um, at the end of the year of um, I was like, at the end of year of 2021, all of a sudden I would eat and like I'd have to vomit just a little bit like a little bit would come out and I was like okay you just need to slow down you're eating way too fast mm-hmm. like you're moving way too fast like a lot of times I would eat like in the car as I was going somewhere mm-hmm. you know that's not the way to do it and so I was just like you just need to slow down I was a little bit in the second I would I'd feel perfectly fine and so I'm just like okay you're okay but it kind of was like getting a little bit worse and worse and by the beginning of 2022 it wasn't just a little bit I was vomiting a lot and now I'm like eating something and out of the blue I just everything would come out and then I'd feel fine I was like whoa I think I have an ulcer or something like I need to calm down and um, a client had said like do you want to come to Costa Rica and I'm like yeah I just need to relax and chill I should go to Costa Rica I didn't tell anybody what was happening with me Mm Um, But I was like, I'm going to go to Costa Rica. I'll work just a little bit and relax. And it did for the first like three weeks. I was like, oh, my God, I feel better. I think Mm -hmm. I'm fine. And then I just got hit hard and I couldn't get out of bed for like three days. I had the worst headache. 
And I was like, and my body was just like, you have to get out of here. You have to go home. And then I did. And then I went and saw the primary doctor. Blood work, everything came back perfectly fine. Wow. Um, And then, but when he started feeling around on my abdomen, that's when he's like, you need to see a GI doctor. And I did. It took a while to get in with him. And we did the endoscopy and the colonoscopy. And, um, And that's what led to June 1st. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So then June 1st, I mean, you've you've told me this before, how it was just, I mean, it's like all a blur, and it was almost like you got swept up on a conveyor belt of just, you know, everything with this new label of cancer, and then all of a sudden you're seeing specialists and oncologists, and, you know, it's almost like you just went into this hyperspeed tunnel um, yeah. and, and lost all control of, of life, you know, because mm-hmm. it was such a earth-shattering diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so t- tell us about that experience, and then, yeah. yeah, tell us about that experience. Okay, so yeah, so when, it was interesting, actually that day I got diagnosed, like I remember when I opened up the door to the hospital, I like felt this like, it was weird, it was like this big wind just hit me, and all of a sudden all these emotions came up, like it was my body telling me, like this is the time we're about to find out the truth, and I just was like overwhelmed, and I walked in and there was no one in there except for the people that worked there. I'm like, that's weird. There's no patients here. This guy's like, book took me forever to get in there, and I was like walking, and I noticed in each treatment room there was nobody, and I'm like, I sat down, and it's interesting. I actually recorded it because I, people are like, you should record this just in case they say something and you miss it. Mm-hmm. So I remember when he came in, I was like, is it okay if I record this? And he was just like, yeah. And so I did, and uh, which is very interesting. And um, yeah, and he told me, you know, I'm, and I was like, he's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm feeling really nervous right now. He's like, I'm so sorry. He goes, I have really bad news. You know, you have stomach cancer. And I was like, what? I'm by, I'm by myself. It's like, you know, you can't wrap your head around that. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So that, like, how did you even, like, walk out? Like, how do you, I mean, I couldn't even. I was in a dream. You know, I called, I called, like, I don't know, a couple of clients came to mind. I just called them and texted them. And they were calling while I was still sitting there, like, what's going on, you know? And they're like, whatever you do, like, you're not doing this alone. You know, like, one of them actually came with, like, he was like, you know, I'm going to get you in with this one oncologist. He's really hard to get in. He's really booked. But um, we're going to do this. Another one of my um my a friend of mine he's um a surgeon at cedars and stuff and so they were friends he and the gi doctor are friends and you know and uh, they're like we know this great oncologist we think that that's who you should go to he's really good at keeping everyone alive that's okay. his thing Jeez. and i'm like what do you mean keeping everyone alive i'm gonna die you yeah. know and um I mean, yes, I'm going to die, but, you know. And so, um, not of this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, anyway, I mean, you know, so it was great. I, I, This client, you know, she's like, you know, my my husband's going to go with you. You know, you're not going to do this alone. And, um, yeah, 8 a.m. the next day, I'm sitting in front of the oncologist, and um, I'm glad I wasn't alone, you mm-hmm. know. And for five hours telling me that I have – well, we didn't know what stage it was then, but, you know, that I have the most aggressive type of stomach cancer, you know, that the the what would have to happen, like, he's just, like, hand me these papers of, like, it's called FLOT, of the kind of chemo I would need to do. And he's like, probably don't even read that because that will make you really sick, you know, because it's going to be gnarly. You know, I mean, this is gnarly, gnarly chemo. 
I mean, it all is, but this is just crazy. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, on top of it, you have to have your stomach removed. Like there's not going to be really anything left in your abdomen by the time you're done. You have to have a feeding tube put in for a while. Um, it's a 14-hour surgery. You have to have high pick done, which is hot boiling chemo dumped into your stomach three rounds. Jesus. And I was like, I'm in a sci-fi movie and I'm the main character and this is a nightmare, you mm-hmm. know? Like, that's what I felt. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like this is like one of those horrible movies where you get kidnapped and tortured, but I'm like paying people to do this to me. Right. I was just like, I, this, nothing, it didn't resonate with me. Like, I mean, who would that resonate with? But I was just like, I can't wrap my head around this. Like, what? So fast, like, like readers digest me, like the neck, the, the following three okay. to four weeks of like, what you experienced mm-hmm. and then you okay. know because well i don't even know i remember when you had this spiritual awakening in this dream yeah. so just yeah go through what you went through medically okay through yeah conventional oncology to the point where you had kind of like a right awakening yeah. so um yeah so then you know then next day i was like five hours getting mris ultrasounds you know pet scans all this stuff like just boom 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 so i went through a lot of that next i'm getting exploratory surgeries done um having my abdomen filled with saline solution just test trying to figure out what stage Which it they is. couldn't even get up there at some point yeah it within, was blocked, right? right well then and then i did an endoscopy ultrasound and another colonoscopy where they had to use a pediatric scope to get through because the cancer had left the stomach and actually wrapped around the outside of the transverse colon and cut everything off so not only, I mean, my like you couldn't even touch my stomach; it was bulging out, and like my colon was in a spasm, like sticking out. It looked like an alien. Mm-hmm. It was painful. I was in pain. I was, you know, I was vomiting every morning, mm. and um, couldn't eat. I was down to a hundred pounds, hundred and two hundred pounds, dropping weight so quickly, um, no energy, uh, acid reflux like crazy. Mm. And so, um, so I'm going through all these procedures. I'm, I'm having complete anxiety at night. Um, so this one night, I remember I was taking a bath, trying to do like a salt bath just to calm me before sleep. And, you know, it's the beginning of summer. You know, we're finally able to get out and do things. And I was thinking, wow, everyone else gets to like go dancing and go have fun. And I'm dealing with this. And this voice came to me and it was like, accept where you are right now. And I did. I, I just did. I just accepted. It's like hard to explain it, but I just accepted where I was. And all of a sudden, I just kind of felt this little bit of peace. And I was like, okay, I can actually move from here now. I'm not moving from where I would like to be. I'm moving from where I actually am. And mm. it just felt good. And so, yeah, so the oncologist and everyone, I'm going and seeing them. And now I'm seeing like like two different oncologists just to get like Different. I've actually, in the, in the end, all three different oncologists. So, like, trying to, you know, feel out. Everyone kind of has the same agenda of, like, what's going on. It's just kind of how it is for stomach cancer. And um, two weeks later, I think they put a port in. Yeah, right. So, yeah, two weeks later, they put, um, they, when they did one of the exploratory surgeries, they put the port in. I mean, it was gnarly. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this what I'm doing? Like, I don't have any other options. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to do this path. Or the only way to cure this, I said, is to remove your stomach. And I'm in complete fear. And I'm not thinking clearly. I'm just like, okay, I guess this is what I do. Even though I always said I wouldn't, if I ever got diagnosed with cancer, I would never do chemo. 
I would never do any of that. And I was just like, but there I am two weeks later after getting diagnosed and I have a port in, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I went and I saw, I was supposed to see this one surgeon who was actually gonna do the procedure. And he was just kind of not the best bedside manners, but mm -hmm. anyway, in the end, he just kind of like, m just made me feel that I didn't have a chance. Jesus. And I just remember that was only like maybe my fourth day in and I was, should not have been driving. I was driving home and I was just like, ah, like screaming as loud as I could. Like, like it brought up every emotion that could come up of like my self doubt, mm. you know, like I told you, you, you weren't worthy enough to be here. You know, like all those dark thoughts coming up of like, you know, you're not worthy enough. You don't belong here. Like I felt so detached from the world. I felt like an outsider, like everyone else is like, doing their thing and having fun and I'm just like trying like I was becoming completely detached from the world and I go home and I'm like so mad I'm like how dare he tell me I can't you know I, I can't I'm not gonna make it through this mm -hmm. how dare he say that I don't have a chance and so that night like I was just it was full on anxiety and I fell asleep and I, a lot of times when I'd wake up, I, I didn't have problems going to sleep, but I would wake up at like two, three in the morning mm -hmm. with complete anxiety. And I would just sit up and I would just play like music. You know, I was playing a lot of like Christian music and just like, it felt so good. And I would just sit up in bed and just like feel it, you know? And this one night after that surgeon said that to me, I went to sleep and I was in com you know complete fear and I woke up and I don't have the kind of cancer that creates you to have night sweats but I was completely drenched in sweat mm. that's how much fear I had and I sat up out of bed and I was shaking and I was like god I cannot do this I can't do this I cannot do this I need help I cannot do this and I like just laid back down and all of a sudden that voice that came to me like when I was in the bathroom telling me I need to accept where I was, it came to me and it said, I want you to, to feel that fear. And it was all in my abdomen. And he's wow. like, and I was like, okay, I, I surrendered to it because I had nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. And so I surrendered to it and I felt it. And, the, and it was like, feel it more. And the more I would feel it, this energy was coming in and like sweeping through my abdomen. And it was like, taking out that fear and I was like oh my gosh it's like I could feel it and it was like go deeper and I did I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and it was just taking out all the fear until I was just like I was just so relaxed in that bed and this voice this is hard to explain but um because it was an experience but it took me and it didn't speak at this point it showed me images of how I think the world sees me so it was like showing me like like I would like be going for something and somebody else would come in and grab it. Like, you know, it was just showing me how I didn't think I was worthy enough to be here. Right. It's pretty much in the end what it was showing me in images. And it was it was it was so much like I was just like blown away with like that's how I think people see me. That's how I think the world sees me. And all of a sudden it took me up into this like black void is what it felt like and I could feel this energy to the left side and it was like this voice finally spoke to me and it said if you think that's how the world sees you 
how do you think God sees you? And I was like, oh my God. All of a sudden it turned me towards that and this whole entire glass shattered. And I was like being completely held back in my bed. And I was like, oh my gosh, my belief that I'm not worthy is what has been blocking me from having that connection mm. with God. Like it was the most unbelievable experience. And I was just in like, I, I never felt so relaxed and so held and so loved. Like I could actually feel energy holding me. Wow. I was, I know, in my bed. And it was amazing. And then I like, I, I closed my eyes. Like I knew where I was now. Like I was in my bed and I was being held. And I was like, I feel so good. I feel like I could just go to sleep now. And then, you know, like 50 feet away from me, you know, I see this man appear and I'm like, who is that? And and then I was like, oh my gosh, is that is that Jesus? And then he like put his arm out for me to walk towards him. And I took like five or six steps and I don't remember anything else. And I just went into the deepest sleep I've ever had in my entire life. And when I woke up that morning, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel incredible. And I was like, I, I had these two little cabins and I sleep in one and I was walking barefoot over to my other cabin and I could just really feel the ground underneath me and I could, this breeze was blowing and this bird was flying over me and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I feel peace and joy and love. I don't have any more fear. And then that voice came and goes, nor should you fear death. And I'm like, I, and since that day, that was five, six days in from being diagnosed, like I get scared and I get nervous. You know, I'm a little nervous doing this podcast, <laughs> but I, I definitely, definitely um, have not had fear. Wow. I have not had any more fear. Like it was... I was being so of the world by letting it validate me and chasing these moments of validation, which was led through like fear and anxiety. And then God stepped in and took that fear away and replaced it with joy and love and peace. Like I'm going through an experience that's supposed to be like this, you know, traumatic experience I feel more love joy and peace than I've ever felt in my entire life oh my like I feel the best I have ever felt mentally emotionally spiritually and physically I mean that's remarkable and I I remember you telling me the story once you finally told me it was probably a few days later when you called me and you're like this is what's going on I was like what <laughs> God, look, I need to see you right now <laughs> and we were talking about this experience and how you know the stomach is the core. I mean, the oh, actual yeah. center of self, right? Like it's right there yeah, in the my middle of, of your self. body. Yeah, it's my center of self. And you were just saying how in that short period of time, in a, in a week's time after getting this diagnosis, even though you'd been experiencing these symptoms for a year and a half or a year, um, like for you to have that realization, for God to show you how you've been operating in the world completely disconnected from the truth of your divinity mm -hmm. and seeking outside validation, feeling not worthy of even being here. You yeah. kind of lived kind of like a work, 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 and then an isolated life. And yep. 
um, you were always trying to crack the code and you were always trying to better yourself and yeah. you are surrounded by really beautiful people. Absolutely. Like, you know, all your clients are your friends and yeah. these are remarkable humans that are doing great things. Um, but, you know, it just, you, you, we talked about how you had completely shut yourself off from your own divinity Absolutely. and yeah. you blocked your sense of self. You were seeking outside and it's just so interesting to me. I love, and this is part of the reason I did Heal, is that emotional, energetic, um, connection to dis-ease or imbalance in the body and where things show up, you know, and, and people, you know, Louise Hay talks about mm -hmm. different symptoms showing up in your body mm -hmm. and how they mean something. They mm -hmm. come with a message, you know? Yeah. So the fact that your your sense of self was completely hardened and cut off from flow and yeah. energy and health and vitality is just, to me, remarkable. So, so for you to have this reconnection to your source yeah um to experience that love peace and joy and now even though you're navigating in the human world so of course fear and anxiety are going to come up but that existential fear of death or right. not being you know worthy right. is has been removed absolutely so tell us a little bit about then so that was five six days in so every morning yeah. you still have that connection and it's great but then you were still on this there was, was really no other options for treatments. So you were still on this conveyor belt of conventional oncology. Mm -hmm. So talk about that first experience where you were going to yeah. go in to get your treatment. I'm glad you said that because it's also like I didn't know, I didn't have a sense of self. So I'm glad you said that. It's like I didn't have a sense of self, and now all of a sudden I feel like I'm now in the world. So now it's like after that experience I feel like, okay, now I'm in the world, and now I'm like I can feel, like I have a sense of self. So now I'm, I feel like I'm ready to take this next step. So yeah, so the oncologist is like, okay, we're gonna do immunotherapy, and I forget what the other, it's not FLOT, but it's like, it's like FLOT, but it's minus one, the hardest part of the chemo, I just forget what it's called, like okay. full fox or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so for whatever reason, I'm still, I'm still in this, I'm still thinking this is the path. And um, so I'm like, okay, even though I don't feel it, like I, it just doesn't resonate with me, but I mean, I'm, everyone is, of course, scared to do chemo. It's yeah. a scary thing. So um, so it's now time to do it. And I go that evening, and I'm thinking, like, like this just feels so weird. I just don't – I can't even imagine chemo going in my body. And um, interesting enough, too, the oncologist always used the word poison instead of chemo with what? me. Yeah, he would actually say, just I'm, let me poison you. Like, Oh, and, my Lord almighty. Yeah. And and actually, the nurse, he, I gotta send him heal like ASAP. I know, and uh, but you know, it's a blessing because I also feel like that was God being like, he's like, tell her what she's really gonna get. Yeah, and he's like, wow, she's still gonna do it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so even the nurse before she gave it to me, she's like, okay, are you ready for the poison? She said it. Wow. Oh, and really quickly to back up just a hair. Um, I, uh, like four months before I got diagnosed, I never watch anything. And four months before I got diagnosed, and not four months, I meant four years before I got diagnosed, I watched this documentary on cancer. And um, this guy, Chris Wark, was on it. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember he had this scene where he was just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do the chemo. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> As I'm sitting there. And here you are. Just that's what, but that's, that's the power of fear. Did you think of Chris Wark in that moment or it just wasn't no. even in your consciousness? Well, actually, before that, before I'm sitting there getting get about to receive the first thing in chemo, 
um, I'm on my Instagram and uh, his he pops up like as a suggestion. No way. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, is that that guy? So I go to his page and it is, it's him. And so I start following him and all of a sudden he's like, I'm gonna release my 10 free, mo- I'm gonna release my 10 modules for free for 10 days. Put a little heart in the comment box. Five minutes before the woman came in to say, do you, are you ready for your poison? The first module popped up on my phone to start watching. And I remember I go, I'm not going to watch that right now because I'm about to get chemo. And I know he's not going to talk about chemo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was just like, and I told him like, you know, I, I get, I'm really allergic to like everything. Like not, I mean, anything yeah. man-made style yeah. stuff. She's like, I've never seen anyone have a reaction to this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so there's three back. She's going to give me the first back. So here we go. First bag, she is so confident she actually leaves at like the building. <laughs> and um <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm like, ow, like I feel like someone's stabbing like daggers inside of me. And then all of a sudden I feel like somebody's stabbing da- stabbing daggers in my hands. And I'm like, ow, what is going on? And I look down and my whole chest is red. And next thing I know, I just see boop, 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 like all these hives popping up. And I'm like, ah, like, what do I do? And then I like hit the nurse button, whatever, and a different nurse comes in and they're like, they have to say this, or can you still breathe? And I'm like, yes, but I'm pretty sure I'm about to have an out-of-body experience. <laughs> and they stopped everything. I mean, it was not even three minutes, maybe that. And it took 90 minutes to counter it. Wow. And then that's when the oncologist got on the phone. He's like, I can't believe this. This is crazy that you're having an allergic reaction to this. He goes, we're going to have to desensitize you. Even though I've called it poison and instilled it into your subconscious. And so did she. (laughs) And then the Chris Work thing pops up. And and at this point, so then he said, okay, the only other option is we're going to have to desensitize you, which means you have to go into ICU um, like almost every other week for five to seven days because I have to slowly give it to you. And I'm like, okay, wait, pump the brakes for a second. I'm not going to ICU tonight. I just want to go home. I, I'll, I'll check myself in if that's what I'm going to do. So I go home, and I actually violently vomiting for a long time that night. To purge it out. For three, only for three minutes of chemo. Wow. It was awful. And so I finally fall asleep. I wake up at 4 a.m., and I just sit there, and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Because, you know, everyone's like, try keto. Try this. You know, I'm like, do you want me to do keto? Do you want me to do juicy? Do you want me yeah. to do chemo do you want me to do immunotherapy do you want me to do something completely different like what do you want me to do I'm so lost right now and I just let it all go and I sit there in meditation and prayer and then I just hear that voice come to me and it's like just get back into the boat put your hands on the wheel and I'm like I don't know how to navigate a ship (laughs) I don't know what to bring I don't know how to read the stars (laughs) I think somebody else should take the wheel yeah and he's like just all I want you, you don't, actually, you're not even going to do anything. You're just, all you're doing is putting your hands on the wheel, and I'm going to do the rest. And I did. I, it's, I, it just energetically, I did. And in that moment, I felt like I got catapulted into healing. Like, I feel like I needed that other step mm-hmm. of sense of self to even get to this step. For sure. And I got catapulted into healing. The next day, I sit there and I watch Chris Wark's, you know, first video. And I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to juice. I don't want to do chemo. I want to juice. <laughs> and I did. I got out there and I got carrots. I got ap- green apple. And for those of you who don't know, he had stage four colon cancer. Yeah, sorry. So yeah. Pretty similar. Pretty similar. A little different. Same region. Yeah. Different. Digestive. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, 
Yeah, and he is great because he has all the information. Because it's overwhelming. Everything's Mm -hmm. overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. to research everything, figure out which path you're going to take, and deal with fear and anxiety. And the pain of whatever the cancer's causing. Yeah, Yeah. vomiting every day and not having energy and not eating. Like, I couldn't even chew a piece of lettuce. I couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. You were like, just juicing at this I point. Was, well, I, no, at that point I hadn't started. And then this is the crazy thing. And that just to back up too, I had also just started hyperthermia like a few days before. Some It was this beautiful, like the second I like opened myself up to this path, all of a sudden these things started falling in my lap. Like there's Chris Wark. There's, you know, this amazing human, Lacey and Matt who are like, and, and Kelly, who uh, Meyer, who you know. Yeah. Like, they all come in and they're like, you should talk to you know Matt. He does hyperthermia, or he helps run the Hyperthermia Cancer Institute. I reach out. I reach out to him that morning. That afternoon, I had a treatment. He had it lined up. It's FDA approved, fully covered in my insurance, fully, yeah. fully covered. And so, you had the, you had a type of cancer that it would actually be pretty effective for. Yeah, it, a lot a lot of cancers are, but okay. mine is really showing to be I mean it's like we're hitting a home run with wow. this so I so I'm like two weeks into hyperthermia and so that next that day I start juicing within six days if five or six days of juicing and two weeks of hyperthermia all of a sudden I was lying flat I had no more acid reflux I could eat a quarter of a salad I wasn't vomiting anymore another week of juicing and you know and I do hyperthermia six days a week and then another week of juicing I was eating a whole, and I, I, okay, one day I ate a whole burrito. I shouldn't have been eating a burrito, but I did. <laughs> but it had really good stuff in the inside. That's amazing. But I remember I was, I, I got to hyperthermia a little bit early, and I went to this little cafe that's kind of close to it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, I think I'm going to order food like normal people do. And I, because you take things for granted, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a beautiful thing to be able to eat. Yeah. And I remember I got my little burrito and I sat outside and I got a little matcha and I was seeing there's all these people sitting around me and I was eating and the next thing I looked down I'm like, oh my God, I ate half of my burrito and I'm fine and staying down. And I almost wanted to say to everyone like, look at all of us, we're just eating. <laughs> Be grateful that you can eat. It was so fun and amazing. Like it was better than any Christmas or anything. Like yeah. I felt like a human again. I felt amazing. And everything has just been getting like, Real quick, hyperthermia is what? So hyperthermia, I do a targeted localized hyperthermia. Mm -hmm. So what it does is they put this, it's an, it's, it's, it heats, so it's hyperthermia. So it heats up the body to like between 100, I think it's 106 to 109 degrees. So it's not like crazy hot. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more than a fever. Yeah, like a high fever. So that's what they're doing. They're trying to create a fever. But only in that area. So they're not taxing my whole body. They're only taxing that area that's a little, that needs to, that's already been taxed, where the cancer is. And so cancer doesn't really want, like, that, doesn't really want the oxygen. They, like, they can survive without it. So, but we're pumping it now. It's getting oxygen. There's an ultrasound machine. It's, it's, like, really being able, that temperature is being penetrated into that area. Opening everything up so that they can penetrate it with the oxygen. Creating um, uh, heat shock proteins. And those go and tell my immune system hey you need to go take care of this and then my immune system that's now not overtaxed because i'm not doing full you know body hyperthermia which would be dangerous anyway it's coming in and now attacking the cancer and so it's just going in there and get it and a lot of people use this in conjunction with chemo and radiation and it's showing amazing amazing results in combination i am on this is like my primary care this inducing and it's showing like I mean, that's crazy. Within two and a half weeks of juicing and hyperthermia, 
all my symptoms went away. And it took a couple months to get past 102, 104 pounds. But the second I was able to like stick with it and just keep going, you know, like eating as many steamed veggies as I could, still juicing, eating oatmeal in the morning, doing hyperthermia every day. You know, and then of course I started adding supplements. Um, now I'm doing high dose of vitamin C. Hopefully soon, another week or two, I'll start mistletoe. Um, so all of these things like are, you know, it, it, the second I got past like 105, 106, things just took off. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm 18 pounds heavier. Yeah, and still, and 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 feeling better than I have felt in a very long time. Now it's like, okay, now I can physically start doing things. Like I'm going to start mountain biking again. And remember uh, that time where you were like, I it was like three weeks after, and you're like, I think I'm going to start massaging people again. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think you should just like go full nurture on yourself. Yeah, right no, now. and I'm, and that's funny because when that's not funny, but it is funny. But when that actually happened, uh, that's when I ended up. The port was still in. Yeah. And two weeks before, like I, I knew I needed to get the port out, but two weeks before um, this blood clot happened, this voice came to me and said, "Get that port out." But fear came over me again. And I was like, but what if I do immunotherapy or this and that? You know, like I was still, even though I was making progress, I got a little scared. Mm-hmm. And I um, was just like, what if I still need that? Like, it, is that my lifeline? Like, I was thinking that as my lifeline. It's like a last resort. It's, all, it's in there. Just don't mess with it. It's, it's, That's what I thought. Yeah. It's, it's, it hasn't bothered me yet. And then two weeks later, after that voice said that to me, I woke up and I was like, oh, I can't move my neck. And I called my oncologist and I went in and he's like, no, you have a blood clot. And I went and got an ultrasound and it proved it. And I had to be put straight into the ER and they put me on heparin and it was very gnarly. I mean, everyone there was incredibly nice and great and sweet, but they put me like the, they were like, oh, great. You have a blood clot. It's blocking your whole jugular, which is not a common place to have a blood clot. And you don't want that to get released. No. You know, kill you. And so, you know, I'm going through this whole thing. And then for whatever reason, the second night into having it, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm not feeling very well. And then the nurse saw me and they quickly hooked me up to everything. And my blood pressure was dropping. My heart rate was dropping. My whole entire side of my body, like like my every organ in my body, I felt like somebody was putting hot coals in there. Oh, my gosh. I've never felt so much heat and so much pain in my entire life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was so hot. And like I felt like I was on fire. And they were, like, screaming, like, it's dropping more. It's dropping more. And this guy was like, I don't know what he's doing. He's rubbing my chest, this and that. Everyone had a look of fear. And I just remember this point where I was looking around, like, oh, my gosh. I don't think anybody knows exactly what to do right now. And and I was just like and I'm I'm I've turned the whole the sheets are completely wet. Like I and I'm like am I about to die? And this that same voice came over me. Now granted this place was so packed that I had to be put in overflow. So I wasn't even in a private room. I was in overflow. Whoa. And so I remember that voice came to me and it was like scream, scream as loud as you can. And I go, but there's people sleeping and it's like midnight. Yeah. And the voice was like, just scream. And all of a sudden I kind of like curled up into a little ball and I went, like I couldn't redo it if I had to. Yeah, just a primal. Yeah, full on primal scream. And I just let it out. And within just a few seconds, all of a sudden they're like, everything's going back up. Oh my gosh, everything's going back up. And I remember that guy like looked at me and he was like, I go, uh, and he goes, that was really scary. 
And I go, it was, wasn't it? And then it took three days to recover from that. Like, I couldn't sit up without breaking into a complete sweat. Wow. So you had to wait, which was very scary. I visited you during this time. And you you were away for the thing. And you were on these heavy blood thinners, which was scary. Yeah. And you had to wait and dissolve, you know, pray the clot didn't get released and then dissolve the clot. And then you took the, the high risk of like, okay, once the clot's dissolved, then we're going to go in and have surgery to remove the pore. Right, right? which really didn't get dissolved. Um, that's the tricky thing. It doesn't really happen. But the good news is that <laughs> um, I luckily I, I just knew that port needed to get out you know and I, at this point I'm like I don't care if the blood clot is still here let's just do it yeah anyway I went and visited the vascular surgeon she's amazing and she's just like you know what I get like their concern is that you know cancer causes you know it causes it causes uh blood clots but this isn't your case like you it's that that mm-hmm. catheter was rubbing up against your jugular. She goes, I can see it's not, it wasn't fitting right. Mm-hmm. It was rubbing up against your jugular. That's why you got a blood clot because your body's trying to reject it. The second we get that poured out, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like it's going to take a little bit for it to dissolve, but it's fine. And wow, so you scar tissue. a positive, tissue. hopeful doctor I know, and prognosis. I know, I know. <laughs> Imagine that. I know. So I was just like, yes, let's do it. And um, I told her, as soon as you can do it, let's do it. And she, they called. They're like, Are you, can you come in tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's really quick. Yes. <laughs> and um, and the whole experience was amazing and beautiful. And I remember after I woke up, I was really drugged. And after I woke up, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like that's not my fate. That's not, that's not my lifeline. Mm-hmm. That's not my lifeline. And I actually um, – was supposed to keep continuing taking uh, the blood thinners, but it was causing vertigo. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fine. I, I I just, these blood thinners are keeping me from juicing. Like you can't, like I, I'm juicing garlic. I'm juicing ginger. I'm juicing tons of turmeric. I'm like juicing things that make your blood thin. Right. So I'm like. And they're just telling you to keep on it because they beca- want to be conservative. Because it's a protocol. They've got to, they've it's got a to... protocol. You do it for three months. It's right. just the protocol. And so I decided to take the plunge and say. Even though it was a total circumstantial yeah. rubbing of the jugular blood clot, it's yeah. not like you're not just going to like crop up with some random. Right. I mean, I'm no doctor. Disclaimer, but it just it well, was yeah. it was it was a conservative protocol. To, well, and then the vascular said, surgeon yeah. agreed with me, and that's yeah. all I needed. Okay. So yeah, so when I went and saw the oncologist, the nurse practitioner was like, "Okay, so you got to continue on the blood thinners." I'm like, "Well, I actually already stopped them." <laughs> she goes, and she's like, "Oh, okay." Uh, and I was like, I, I said, well, the vascular surgeon said it, she agrees. Like, it's okay. She goes, well, she's the expert. Yeah. So Great. if you feel anything that changes, let us know and we'll do an ultrasound and we'll check it. And I've been, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was like beginning of September. Yeah. You know? Amazing. And I feel, and, and the second I stopped those and I was able to get right, because I had to take six, seven days off of hyperthermia. Because I think about it, I was only one month in of that. Yeah. You know, so. And only like two or three weeks into juicing. So not being able to juice and not being able to do hyperthermia, I was starting to feel my stomach again. So the fact that this three days into hyperthermia and back into juicing, all the symptoms went away wow. again. And I was, and then it just went like, again, now I'm like, it's, I feel like almost every two weeks I like reach a new level. It's like a video game. Like I feel like it goes beyond just juicing. It yeah. goes beyond just even hyperthermia. Like. Like it, there's so many levels to healing. Like, like I am changing everything about me. Mm-hmm. Like all the things I've been asking about, like 
you know, when I was like, one of the things I'd be like, please God, I just open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart. I want to know, like, I, I want to stick around because I want to know what it, all this means now while I'm here, not when I pass over. Yeah. I want to experience it now. And I just feel like because I was so busy looking behind me, that darkness of doubt, instead of in front of me where the light is, mm. where that light and love is, like, I was like, no, I, I got to look behind me because there's, you know, yeah. like doubt and this and that. Like, that was keeping me from hearing. That was the obstacles that was keeping me from hearing how to open up my eyes and my ears and my heart. And now that I'm, like, walking forward, you know, and, yes, I still hear doubt coming. But now I'm, I don't need to turn around. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, I, I okay. <laughs> but, you know, I'm moving forward. Like, like I, I have, like, I'm gaining so much faith. I'm like, things that used to be intellectual are sinking into my bones and every, it's like sinking so deep that it's like now in my core and it's healing me on deeper and deeper levels to the point where I'm like, this is, this goes beyond so many things. Like I'm changing every aspect of who I am, which is now giving me the answers that I have been asking, but I couldn't hear it because yeah. You had this lens, this block, this perception yeah. of self or this lack of worthiness, whatever it is that we all come in with and we all have childhood experiences yeah. that color this lens. And right. so that lens was such that it completely disconnected you from your divinity and from your truth of yeah. who you are and your light. And, and you just saw a perception. You had a perception of self that was not true. And you've regained, you've cl cleared the lens throughout this process so that yeah. you see clearly and, and can look forward. Um, and what I think is so amazing is that also, can you just touch on, because I, I want to get to mm -hmm. how others can access what you've, because it's such a powerful story, but like what you've learned that could, could possibly get people the, you know, confidence yeah. to put their hands on the wheel. Cause you had a divine, like you had a direct experience with what you call God, um, and so others, if they don't have that voice that comes in at the crucial mm -hmm. moments, you know, I want to get to how, what you've learned that can help them. Because yeah. I, I really think your experience can help them. But just because I know you so well, I know that leading up, the last two years leading up to this, or, two, you know, two and a half years, you had this, like, call to go on these, like, survival wilderness journeys <laughs> where you go to the East Coast and you learn from this guy who you know, was an indigenous, mm -hmm. you know, shaman or, or Native yeah. American who was connected to the earth and could mm -hmm. read, could track animals. Yeah. And, and you wanted to learn the ways of nature and how to connect and yes. survive in the wilderness. And you would go on these vision quests, yes. like Native American culture. And um, I mean, it's so wild for you to do that. And that, like, tell us a little bit about that and how that prepared you, because you are on a, the greatest vision quest of a conscious being you know yeah I'm yeah I'm on the biggest vision quest I've been on yet I've done a handful of vision quests yeah I just got drawn to that I remember I was reading it's Tom Brown Jr. and I was reading his book grandfather and I just remember I was like I gotta do that I don't know if this guy's alive I know grandfather the who he studied with um this Apache who he studied with I'm sure he's already passed on but I've got to find him and to find out you know great he's still alive and he has a school <laughs> so I did go I don't claim to be good at any of the survival schools but I absolutely love it I love it it brings me so much joy and it did like going and and also just the confidence to be able to like learn to I mean I love 
being in nature anyway. Mm-hmm. But to go and learn how to like read nature and tracks and all that other stuff, build your own shelter and sleep in it and just, you know, survival skills. And also not only that, but the vision quest, you know, where you go and you sit for, you know, three to five days by yourself with, with no yourself. distraction. Yeah. Those have been some of my, like they've been some of my most powerful moments you know, um, which I honestly feel all of that has helped me to have the tools to prepare for this vision quest right. that I'm on, which is really going deep, you know, because cause the thing is like in the vision quest, everything, because you don't have any distraction, you don't have food to eat, you don't have, you know, your phone, you don't have any of that stuff, right? Just sitting with yourself. Um, every day, like a different aspect comes up, you know, and so you, it comes to the surface and you face it. but. For me, like, when I got diagnosed, I felt like, boom, all that I've been, like, just, you know, pushing down and not wanting to face all came up. And I had nowhere to turn. Like, I couldn't even look at my social media. It made me sick to my stomach. Like, Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't eat. Yeah. I couldn't, I didn't have any of those things that I usually use to distract myself. I couldn't work. That was my biggest distraction. You know, I couldn't do any of the things that I usually use to distract myself. So I really had to sit, which is a blessing. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that um, I feel like also it's just like one of those things like if if I could tell myself like some advice of what mm-hmm. to do if I had to redo it, I would be like, okay, if you get diagnosed, just go and spend two weeks processing. Two weeks is going to feel like two years. Just go and spend two weeks processing. Don't don't make any decisions. Don't do anything. Just Just sit with it and feel it and process it because now there's things up online you can look you can look to see like how like you can look up your cancer and see like how people are healing in a conventional way how people are healing in a holistic way maybe how people are using a combination you know like you can like where would you is there a website that you found or you just there is a website what is it called oh radical remission yeah yeah radical remission yeah so she started something where you can do that yeah it's like a database right Mm -hmm. yeah there's not much on stomach cancer (laughs) but hey great i can put eventually post my story you know but um you know so i just feel like you know it's interesting because we have like this like cancers i i if i know correctly it's like the second leading cause of death in the u.s you know and it's just like and growing there yeah that's a big fear put around it mm-hmm. you know even if me t- when i told people i could see their fear come up mm-hmm. and I, they were yeah. not the ones diagnosed it brings up a lot of fear so it's just like i feel like it'd be great to like be able to turn that around yes. you know and not only that but it, like it's interesting i don't know it was a thought that came but it was just like wait a minute if cancer is the second leading cause of death then does conventional medicine work <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, I mean, it does work. Like my cousin, he did it and it kept him alive. So I'm not saying that. Like, it's just like, you know, like my oncologist is amazing. He's like, I'm rooting for you. You know, he's like, in the end, after I had to tell him like five times I'm not taking his path, he was like, he finally like shut the door and he looked at me and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to say this to everyone, but I'm going to say it to you. He's like, my path wasn't going to heal you, but what you're doing is working and I'm rooting for you. Uh I love you. And if anything changes and anything goes south, come back to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so beautiful, yeah. you know, because you got to realize, like, they're they're limited. Like, mm-hmm. they go into this field wanting to heal, yeah. but then they can only do so much. If it's not FDA approved, they can't say, hey, why don't you go try red light therapy? Right. They can say hyperthermia, mm-hmm. 
but a lot of people don't even know about hyperthermia but it's like but you can you know but the thing is, is like for me i would say start juicing like start juicing flood your body with nutrition yeah change carrots. the environment yeah. carrots are like some people are healing themselves just on carrots like it's now coming out like how medicinal carrots are so many people are scared like oh the sugar this and that I don't know. It's working for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like juice as much as you can. Do the things that you can get your hands on because maybe you can't get your hands on hyperthermia or high right. doses of vitamin C or yeah. mistletoe. You know, Chris Work is a great resource for that. Thank you. He healed yeah. himself with raw food and, and everything. And if you order, which I ended up doing, ordering his whole protocol thing, I did watch it for free, but I also <laughs> ordered it. And and he sends you a package. Like you don't even like I was taking notes, but in the package it tells you everything. He like writes down everything he said, all the supplements, and then you know you go with that. His idea is like do everything at once but my thought is I like doing like one thing at a time and sitting with it and being like wow that works I'm yeah. sticking with feeling that. really good about this that. feels yeah. good now yeah. I'm gonna do this like and even like I think it's important to do things at a certain time like I tried doing high dose vitamin C when I first got diagnosed it didn't make me feel very good and maybe maybe that's fine but now I'm doing it and it makes me feel incredible yeah so you know I took a break for a while from doing it and now I'm back on it and it feels right. So I think using discernment and really like know that when people, if you tell certain people, they're gonna be like, they're they're talking from fear sometimes. They're gonna yeah. be like, oh my gosh, you have to do this, you have to do Unless, that. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. Right. Like sit with it, be in meditation, ask where you need to go and what you need to do because this thing is gonna, this cancer is not a blessing, but what can come of it is an absolute blessing and that's what i'm learning is that this whole thing has become an it's it's made me receive things that i've always wanted mm. it's so i mean i have so much to say about that real quick about the boat metaphor and yes. how you heard the voice he said just put your hands on the wheel yes and i will do the rest mm -hmm. and what i'm hearing you say now is y you mm -hmm. the one with the hands mm -hmm. is your consciousness your soul your spirit the boat is your body, the vessel. Mm -hmm. Without your hands on your vessel, you cannot feel whether the carrots are working or not. You cannot feel right. the vibrations, the subtle messages and feedback. So consciousness has to put the hand, your hands on the wheel of your vessel, yep. connect to your body, tune in, feel into what's right for you, yeah. cut out all the noise, meditation, prayer, take that two weeks, one week, whatever feels right to your vessel yep. to process. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the metaphor that I'm seeing here. It's like you are the Perfect. consciousness, your body yeah. is the boat, the vessel. And until you put your hands on the wheel, let God, the current energy, life, mm -hmm. flow, destiny, whatever, be yeah. the current in the water. But your boat is going to tell you where you want to steer and yeah. what's working and what's not. I think it's perfect. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I feel with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And you often talk about how, and this is, you know, a thought that came up to me, like, was there, well, one thing you've continually said along this journey is, you know, I know your, your clients that came through at the very beginning who you called right. and they were with you and they took you, held your hand to the oncologist and connected you to this made you feel special, made you feel love, you felt connection. Mm -hmm. You feel, you've you've said over and over that you feel so much more connected and loved and held by your yes. community Absolutely. than you ever did before. And I'm wondering, you know, I want you to talk about that a little bit, but for you to lose your sense of self or mm -hmm. for you to not think you're worthy or for you, you know, to distract yourself away from, because you didn't feel like you had, you know, real estate in this world, 
Um, did something traumatic happen to you as a child? Was it just a general sense of lack of worthiness that you feel? Did, have you gone back to that where it's like, how did I have such a low sense of self or a self, mm-hmm. you know, where you kind of made yourself sick to your stomach? Right, right. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I exactly if it's like anything in particular, you know, that could have happened. I mean, I, I feel like there's so many I mean, there's so many things that happen as a child that create so many, like, survival techniques. I feel like I definitely have been living more in survival mode of my life. Now I feel like I'm more in creative mode, mm. you know. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything in particular that could have happened, you know. But, I mean, something definitely did form me feeling to be isolated because it is true like and I think that has actually been one of the biggest part of my healing as well is allowing other people to help me Mm. because I have been trying to like I feel like that's my biggest fall is me trying to prove my independence you know and not really let anyone truly in like even friends have pointed out like you know like you're so much fun to hang out with but you can only get so close yeah you know and you know and clients you know have, i've been working with them for so long they become friends they become family you and know? you're in their intimate space you come into their home yeah. you know so much about their lives what's going on but i still wouldn't let them into mine. nobody knows anything about what's I going know. on in your home yeah and and, and nor did i yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so but you know but this whole thing and it's actually you actually had reached out too uh many times by the way but i I just remember it was this moment where I was just like, I, you know, everyone was trying to reach out and help in every way possible. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Because there was that part of like, is anyone, am I just going to, is everyone just going to push me aside and forget about me and be like, okay, well, she's gone and move on. You know, like it was, that was all my my fear and mm-hmm. doubt. That was who I was. That's how I was wired to think. And then all of a sudden, like, I realized like, okay, I know the next part of this healing is I'm going to have to like allow these people who are trying to help me mm. actually help me. Because mm. before I'd be like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. Yeah, financially, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm, that's why I was like, you know, I, I feel pretty good. I think I'm going to go back to work. And, yeah. then, and then I can afford to do some treatments that are outside of, you know. I'm like, dude, we rent. can all chip I in. I know. And you're like, and you'd be like, well, do you need some help? Give me a little bit more time to figure it out. Yeah. Like I was so fighting that you know and I remember one night I finally was just like and it was just hard it was almost harder than getting the cancer diagnosis it was like I was just like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to let people into my life Mm -hmm. and I remember when I finally just accepted it and I think acceptance is the key first acceptance of where you are when you were saying Mm -hmm. what advice would I give I think you have to have acceptance before you can surrender but I just had to accept that this is part of it this is what I'm going to do and it feels very uncomfortable but that's what needs to change and once I did that and I surrendered I remember I like woke up at like five or so in the morning and you sent me a text like at 505 (laughs) after I completely surrendered to it and you're like hey thinking of you do you need some help (laughs) I was like yeah I do Mm. and so thank you and you know and then the next day you know it was it's, it's just incredible how many people have reached out and what people have done and made me be like oh my gosh like it's the full validation of like you really are loved we really do want you here yeah you know like you belong here just as much as anyone else and you know and just through all that I'm just like yeah I want to be here but I don't want to just kind of creep by like I have been like 
I want to show up. When people are like, hey, do you want to come over and have dinner? Yes, I do. Hey, you want to go and hang out? Yes, I do. Like, like I want to show up now. Like, I want to show up. I want to be a part of people's life. I want people to now be in my life. Like, I want to have, like, real intimate relationships. Like, I feel like now that I broke that barrier of how I thought the world, you know, would, was seeing me and how God I thought was seeing me, and now that I broke all that barrier, I'm like, oh, my gosh. That was just my beliefs that was keeping me from having a connection. Mm. And now... I don't believe that story anymore. Yeah. You know? Which brings me to my point of you said, you know, I want to change part of, you know, you've you've gotten kind of rebirthed into this new mission of mm-hmm. wanting to, you know, take the the death sentence away from cancer. It's so common. Yes. And this was part of my motivation to do heal. I was like, cancer does not have to be a death sentence. And then as my journey unfolded and learning what I know and talking to people like you, having miraculous transformations and awakenings, I was like, oh, you know what? Rather than shift a whole paradigm, let's just shift half a paradigm. Cancer can be a death sentence, but let it be a death sentence to the self that Mm. allowed the environment or the disconnection that allowed the cancer to come in in the first place. So you did have, it's almost like a vision quest in nature. You go out there for five days, you battle the elements, you battle your dark voices, nature, you know, and you're with yourself and you almost feel like you're going to die. It's almost like that's like this initiation that they send these, a lot of civilizations have sent these young warriors on these vision quests so that they can die to their old self. Mm And then they're rebirthed into this strong warrior. And I think that, you know, let cancer be a death sentence to the old self so that you can begin anew and give birth to this person that you truly are and are truly here to be. That's perfect. That's so beautiful. That's exactly what it needs to be. It doesn't have to be. And, you know, it's so easy for people to get thrown in and be played as a victim. Oh, poor you, you have cancer and this and that. And it is like, I'm so sorry. That's terrible Mm -hmm. diagnosis. But don't put people into victimhood. Like, I'm glad I made that quick switch because there was a part where I was like, why me? Which is totally normal and part of the process of grief, right? And shame and guilt. Like, all these emotions, like, how could I done this to myself you know I had like this little flashlight and it was like just shining on my little cancer like why why (laughs) why and sometimes I would go out and I have to hit it and come back on but why (laughs) and and it was just like but if you're just gonna sit there and look at that there's like so much more this is just one little thing that's teaching you something like there's so much more like once I like I feel like that's what faith faith is what healed me you know and I feel that once I put my focus, sorry, right in the front where it needed to be, all of a sudden I gained wide angle vision. Like mm. I wasn't looking anymore at that little cancer. Why me? Poor me. With the little flashlight. With the little flashlight that doesn't stay on. <laughs> and like, why me? Poor me. Why not the other person? Why not? Or you know, is this karma? This No, it's nothing like that. It's not any, I'm not a bad person. It's not karma. You it's none of those things. It's just like, but I didn't know that until I finally quit looking behind me and looked at the light and love that's in front of me, lighting my steps. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I see so much more. I see so much more. Do I understand all of it? No, but I see so much more. And in that space, I feel peace, love, and joy. And I'm going to heal way better there than I am looking back behind me in the darkness of victimhood and self-doubt and fear. Yeah. 
because all of that isn't real. Right. It's just an illusion in the rearview mirror. Yeah. I I mean, so much of what you said is like reminding me of why I did heal. And it's mm. like you're speaking in all the metaphors that I literally told myself. I said, I want to, you know, shift the paradigm so cancer is no longer a death sentence. Yes. We live in a toxic world. Mm -hmm. We all have generational trauma. You know, we are creating an environment where cancer is thriving, but we also have the tools to then shift our environment and shift our perception and become who we truly are. Yes. And which doesn't have space for cancer and who we truly are. So, in, in my belief. So, right. then you say when you, you had wide angle vision, mm -hmm. when your perspective opened up so much wider and you, you pulled the focus off of the problem. Yeah. Um, that was one of the other visions that I had in doing heal. I said, I just want to, when you're in fear, your focus, like, just, it's like almost like the black, like you're about to pass out, like the black comes in and you just have this little, like, focus and you're looking at this problem and it's intense and you, yes. you can't you're in survival so you cannot you're fixated on this little tiny thing and um it grabs all your attention and where your attention goes yeah. energy flows right yeah. so you're putting more energy into that problem but what i want to do is just give people the tools the inspiring stories like yourself to allow the fear to dissipate enough to where their aperture widens yes. and then you see a whole nother universe of opportunity and possibility yes. available to you. And then yes. you're like, oh my gosh, there's a, literally a crowd. When I'm looking at this, I can't see anybody around me. When I open up my aperture and I have this wide angle vision, I see hundreds of people coming to support me. Yes. I'm feeling the love. I open my heart. So anyways, you're, you're, I just keep saying you're, a, you know, a walking embodiment of what I intended with heal you happen to be one of my closest friends and now even closer now that you're <laughs> actually letting me in yes um and just your healing is remarkable it really is miraculous but i truly believe and your you know your life circumstances gave you the tools to to do it and you you're surrounded by a very incredible community that is yes. supporting you um and and but you've done you've done this a lot of work on yourself so you you tapped in very quickly and had this awakening and you have faith and you you prayed and you meditated and opened up yourself to the signal of that voice you you yes. you, you were able to receive that voice because you sat in silence and prayer and meditation and so i just feel like you know you are an example of what's possible mm -hmm. and i do believe that it is possible for everybody absolutely and I can't wait to talk to you in another six months or just continue on the journey. And yeah. I, I can't wait till the day when you're ever, you know, you come back and you're like, there's no evidence of disease. Right. You know, right. I, it could be in a month from now. It could be two days from now. It could be six months from now. It could have already happened. It could already be. Yeah. It could already so be. I can't wait for that podcast to follow up okay. because um, I just, and it's funny when you say, you know, be careful of, you've got to be vigilant and have boundaries around other people's fear. Because again, it's such a collective fear. Yes. So you've got to really protect yourself against soaking in other people's fear. Absolutely. And projection. Yeah. And I remember we have a mutual friend and and he was saying, oh my God, did you hear what happened to Tara? Oh my God, this is devastating. Da, da, da. And I go, I go, hold on, stop. We don't, we don't. I go, Shh, Tara is equipped. She's going to be okay. She's got, like, I'm going to help her through it. She's got, we, we've got this. Yeah. Like, I just have this knowing that she can, she can trans transmute this and and heal. Yeah. And he's like, but do you know the statistics? And there's really nothing you could do. And it's, it's cut out, you know. And I was just like, yeah. Just trust. Just I I'm let let me get like we've got this. We're gonna hold our hand through it. And I I have 
I have a good feeling about this. And he's okay. And then he's like, so she's still taking that moringa I gave her. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just everybody yeah. wants, you know, they just they want. And I me. am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> so it's just it, everybody has the best of intentions, but you know we are inundated with fear and information and overwhelm right now. So that's um, why you got to really surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. I actually have this one friend. I remember uh, they flew in for just a little bit, and I only got to spend a little bit of time with them before they took off, and we were hanging out. And they're like, we leave Tuesday. I'm like, no. And I'm like, well, maybe we could do sauna before you take off. And and he knew that I had like the port taken out and this and that. So he was thinking more about that. He goes, oh, can you can you do sauna now? And I go, I'm healing. And he goes, about time. <laughs> you know. And I just feel like that's it. Like we yeah. all started laughing. That's it. That's the energy you want. Like yeah. yes, about time. Like yes, you're gonna do this. Like when I even when the oncologist said that I only had a few months left. I was sitting there with uh, as a hundred pounds and not being able to eat. I hadn't started juicing yet, and I knew in my bones and in my body, I'm going to heal from this. Like I know that that's the stats for it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to heal from this. And he was like, "Don't you want to give this your all?" And I go to my oncologist said that to me. Don't you want to give this your all? And I was like, "I am giving it my all." That's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving my all. And God is my main physician. Mm. And I'm taking a different path. I want you still on my team. I want you still to be my oncologist. I still, I have so much respect for you. Mm -hmm. And I know you care about me and you care about your patients. So don't fire me. But I'm taking a different path. And then, and that's, you know. And that's when he And here me. we are today. And here we are today. And I'm healing. <laughs> and he even like went in and like felt in my stomach. Like you couldn't touch my stomach and now you can fully go in and touch it. It's completely supple. Amazing. And by the way, I did have another CT scan done while I was in the hospital. And it showed the obstruction in my colon was gone, which I knew it was because I wasn't having spasms anymore. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So... TV to be continued. I thank you for sharing your story, your light. I'm so just beyond grateful and me too. And just so grateful that you're here and me too. And just like <laughs> like just glowing, you know? Yeah, and feeling great. The best I've ever felt. Wow. I'm I'm so grateful. I'm yeah. so grateful. Thank you for having me come and share my story even though I was a little nervous. Um, thank you. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. Tara Patrick, everyone. Oh, by the way, the last thing I'll say about this. Mm. Your Instagram handle, your I'm sorry if you want to keep this private. No, it's, it's no longer private because yeah, you're gonna help private. a lot of people. <laughs> Tara the butterfly. Yeah, Tara, Tara the butterfly, and it's like Tara underscore the underscore butterfly. Yeah. But you probably just say Tara the butterfly. But that's been I'm... before this journey. You've called you've had an association with the butterfly for as long as I've known you. Yeah. And you're in this metamorphosis right now. Yeah, like you literally are merging as a butterfly. Yes. And everything that no longer is your truth is left back in the chrysalis. Yes. That you are leaving. I mean, you are. You may have already fully emerged. We, we will find that out soon. soon but you, you are the butterfly now. Yeah. And this is, it's just wild to me. Life imitating life and art. And it's just I know. miraculous. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. All of it. I'm thankful for all of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to The Heal Podcast. Be sure to tune in for more empowering wisdom and inspiring healing stories. Oh, and make sure you hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answer you've been searching for. And if you feel inspired, we would love you to rate and review us so that we have the opportunity to reach more people. And of course, you can follow for some behind the scenes fun and more inspiration at at Heal Documentary and at Kelly Gorris. Thank you so much and be well. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.